babe. Welcome to the She Factor podcast. I'm your host, Tori Ganahl, a millennial woman on my own journey to she and co-founder of She Factor, an on and offline platform for 20-something women craving community, growth, and purpose. Through our book, app, podcast, blog, daily she newsletter, and monthly events, we're here to inspire, encourage, and equip you to create a life you love, a life that you can't wait to jump out of bed and live every single day. She Factor was born out of my own experience as a 20-something, graduating college and having absolutely no idea what came next. And after a couple years of struggling to find balance in my post-grad life, here I am, 25, and realizing that the real world is actually pretty freaking awesome. The road to success, happiness, and community are waiting for you, right here, right now. So let's walk this journey to she together, girl. Join me every week as I dish out all the tips and tricks on living your best life. Grab your favorite cocktail or Starbucks drink and settle in for real, raw, and hilarious conversations as we dive into what makes us, as women, unstoppable. What's up, y'all? It is time for a new podcast episode. Yes, we had two last week. So if you didn't catch up with those, make sure and go give them a listen. They're great episodes. We have got some serious woman power on the podcast this month, and I'm so excited. It just all aligns perfectly with International Women's Day, Women's History Month. You know, finance is great. We've got some great finance episodes to go listen back to, but I just really felt called to celebrate being a woman this month. So Our last episode next week of the month will be all focused on money. Don't you worry, but make sure that you register for our Money Magic event on Thursday. It's going to be incredible. March 25th at 4.30 p.m. PST. I'll link it in the show notes so you can go register there. It's completely free. So if you need to get that dose of all the financial freedom and the money moves and the money magic, then make sure you register for that event. It's going to be awesome. And not only is it going to be awesome because we're talking all about money and we have some great speakers, which I will be announcing on social media soon, but we're also going to be announcing our next big summit, which is April 29th, our She Leads Success Summit. Guys, it's going to be freaking incredible. I've already got some speakers confirmed. They are so top-notch. We're talking all about professional development, personal growth. This is going to be a power pack day for the emerging woman leader intentionally designed for her to explore the top leadership skills she needs now to be an effective leader tomorrow. So this one day summit to level up your leadership again is April 29th, and we are going to be giving you all the details at the event on Thursday. So make sure you register to get the first look at this amazing summit. And might I add that... In my opinion, I think it's going to be better than the She Cares Wellness Summit, which is hard to beat. Make sure you join us on Thursday so you get all the details. All right. Today, we have a very, very special episode. Every week is a very, very special episode. I just, I really feel like I need to upgrade my vocabulary, guys. Maybe I should do like a, a vocab communications course or something this weekend. I don't know. I have my dear friend, Melissa, from the Mimosa Sisterhood podcast here to talk about women's history. I don't want to give you too many details because we talk about a lot of things in this episode. We talk about why she started her podcast. We talk about some dark moments that we had, but how we came out of them by experiencing stories of other women. We talk about three super inspiring women in history who are so aligned with She Factor, and I can't wait for you to hear their stories. 
and just celebrating our womanhood and what being a woman means to us. So I think I'm going to keep it short and sweet today, guys. Trying to think if there's anything else I felt really inclined to say today. Take care of yourself, rest, do what you need to do to show up as your best every day. We love you. We appreciate you. I had a seriously transformational coaching session last week, but it's pretty heavy and I want today to be lighthearted. It's heavy in a good way. I had some, I had some good revelations and you know me, I love sharing the highs and lows of my entrepreneurship journey. So stay tuned for that. I think I might share it next week as part of that episode or might share it on social. So keep your eyes peeled. But that's all I got for y'all this week. So enjoy Melissa. She's a delight. I absolutely adore her and enjoy learning about these extraordinary. That's a good word. I need to use that more often. These extraordinary women in history. Oh, and that was the other thing I was going to share. I knew I was missing something. I was actually a guest co-host on Melissa's podcast this week too. So after you listen to this episode, make sure you head on over to the Mimosa Sisterhood podcast and give that a listen. Basically, we do a wine review, which is really fun. And then we each brought a woman to the episode that we researched and we tell her story and we didn't know who each other chose beforehand. So we surprised each other. One was more deep in history. One is more recent and they had so much in common. It's a great listen. Go check it out. All right. I'll leave you to it. Enjoy the episode. You guys are the best. Sending you all my love and light and happiness and all the things. Okay, ladies, today we have a very special guest. Her name is Melissa. She is from the Mimosa Sisterhood podcast, and we met through Almost 30 Podcast Accelerator, and I was recently on her podcast talking about a very prominent woman in history, and we did a little exchange. It was so much fun. So I thought in honor of Women's History Month, I would have her on our podcast and just talk a little bit about who she is, what she does, and what she's learned from this awesome podcast all about women's history and amazing women and a sisterhood. So welcome to the She Factor podcast. Thanks, Tori. I'm super excited to be here. I am so happy I met you through the podcast accelerator program. That was honestly like the best part of the program, meeting so many other incredible podcasters and other women out there. Yes. And I'm just super excited. So thanks for having me on the show. Yes, of course. Yeah, it's funny. I was actually just talking to Ashley from the Accelerator 2 the other day. I did a self-care session with her and she was saying that part of my charts, like an astrology reading, is that I need to have expanders in my life. And I was thinking about it. And I was like, you know what? Like before I joined the accelerator program, I didn't know a single person podcasted at all. And this has truly given me such an amazing community of especially women who are in a similar space and mindset and level of podcasting that I am that I can rely on and just like talk to and vent and have and expand. Like I have grown so much as a podcaster since that program. And I think, you know, obviously the program helped itself, but I think it's come more so from the community that I've met, which is awesome. Totally. I absolutely agree. I didn't know a single person that ever podcasted. It was just me kind of floating around in my own podcasting world. Mm -hmm. And I guess I also just didn't realize how much I needed that community Same, because now that I have it, I feel a lot different. Like just my energy as a podcaster is different. I feel like in a way I've somewhat been like validated, which Mm. is kind of sad, but I'm happy I have that now. (laughs) So true. Um, It's like it, it gives you 
It's not that you like need the validation in a sense to like that you need it, need it, but you need it in the sense of like it makes you feel that you're not alone one because I think podcasting can feel a lot more lonely than people think it is like obviously yeah. you're creating community and especially for you like your podcast is about sisterhood like duh you yeah. have community she factor is about community duh you have community but it's like you're sitting here in front of a mic half the time <laughs> totally absolutely and like even in my own life like when I started podcasting a long time ago I think my podcast went live June 2018 and I mean the industry has boomed since that date. It was a little fresh still then. And when I told people like I'm starting a podcast, it was like, yeah, okay, whatever. Um, and it, yes. it took a long time for people to be like, oh wait, actually you are, you have a podcast and it, this isn't just like a, like a phase that you're going through in your life. Mm-hmm. And so now so many years later, I'm kind of like, yeah, like not only do I still have this podcast, but I know a bunch of other podcasters and I'm a part of this community and this is the real deal. So I'm actually legit. <laughs> FYI. You are legit. <laughs> you are very legit. And I'm very, very happy that we met in that I've gotten to also experience your podcast because that was another thing before I joined the accelerators. I hate podcasts in all honesty. I hate listening to them. Like uh-huh. I just... I, I think I wasn't able to find good ones. I was focusing on the popular ones and like none of those really resonated with me. And I had such a hard time seeking out podcasts that I actually enjoyed. And I have Mm -hmm. a really hard time listening to like words when I work. Yeah, totally. Me too. (laughs) I can't do it. So this program opened up my eyes to how many other podcasts are out there. And like, now I get to listen to all my favorite ones from the program. Like, oh, I know you like girl work it. (laughs) Yeah, no, I know what you mean. And also like, It kind of bothers me that podcasting was like so taken over by celebrities who already have huge careers. Mm -hmm. It's like when you look at the top 50 in Apple podcasts, it's like, oh, great. All the same people at the top. Fantastic. And it's like, just do what you do. Like, let people like me and Tori like grow in this podcast space where like, this is really one of the, like other than maybe YouTube, this is one of those like few platforms that the everyday person can really like build a career on or be creative creative on. And it's for the most part, pretty low budget. Everybody kind of already has the materials they need at home on hand. And it allows just like someone like myself to just say, Hey, I'm going to start this podcast because I'm passionate about this subject matter. And I'm finally going to have a voice and a platform that I can use and project into the world and Mm -hmm. people will hear it and listen to it. So tell everyone a little bit about Mimosa Sisterhood, your podcast and what inspired you to start it. Yeah, totally. So uh, some people don't know this, but actually my podcast original name was the Sisterhood of the Bottomless Mimosa. And I actually started my podcast with one of my college best friends. We actually were sociology majors together. We both were super heavily involved studying feminist theory, human sexuality, gender identity, all of those kinds of things. And like while we were extremely serious and passionate about the subject matter, we would regularly ditch class and go drink at the bar. So we like, I like to joke and think of myself as like equal parts feminist, equal parts party girl. Cause I kind of am. And I love it. Um, really like the name of the podcast, the sisterhood of the bottomless mimosa or later the mimosa sisterhood kind of represents that where like this podcast is all about celebrating women's stories, but we also are going to drink some cocktails and have fun while we do it because that's just, that's who we are. Like we don't take ourselves too seriously. We like to have fun, but we also care about people and how the society operates. And so this podcast in general is 
pretty much that. We celebrate women's stories and it started off by just doing that historically. So my co-host and I, who, by the way, I now run this podcast by myself for various reasons. She ended up leaving the show, but how it started was we researched the lives of a woman that was really inspirational to us or somebody we just wanted to learn more about, or even it was somebody that maybe the world already knew of, but really didn't know like the super like nitty gritty to her life and like how deep that went. So we would basically do the research and on the podcast, we would both tell a story about a woman we admired and cover all areas of her life from like birth to childhood to adulthood, any kind of struggles she went through, any failures she had, her successes, her wins, all of it. And we basically just gave women their voices through our podcast. And oftentimes it was women whose stories were largely ignored or they somehow were brushed under the rug or, you know, we didn't really get the full truth of their story and the version we heard in the media. So we're kind of just trying to like not only celebrate those women, but amplify their voices again and just celebrate them. So that's kind of what we do on the show. And then since we've launched in 2018, now today in 2021, I have another new segment. It's called the Everyday Woman series where I now talk to everyday women who are alive today. And it's more of like my interview style segment. And really it's kind of an opportunity for me to talk to the everyday woman, kind of like how we were just mentioning. There's so much celebrity in podcasting that I want to not interview the celebrity. I really want to talk to my next door neighbor or my aunt or my coworker and find out what's going on in their lives. And so I get them on the podcast and it's really just their opportunity to tell their life story. And a lot of the times their story is so inspiring and so relatable and we have a blast. It's a lot of fun. So that's kind of the gist. I love it. And I wore my, you can't see it, obviously all you guys watching or listening, but my Porch Pounder jacket sweatshirt because part of the podcast as well as you do a little wine review at the beginning. Yes. And I just love that you, you know, you stand in your light, like you own the fact that like you said, like I care about women's stories. I care about the history. I care about feminism, et cetera. But I also have fun while I do it. And I think so often we like silence that part. We like think we have to be a certain way in order for society to listen but we don't like the beauty happens when we're just ourselves. Totally. And like, also I am no historian and like, I don't want to be thought of as a historian. Like I am not somebody who has a trillion master's degrees in feminist theory. I am just a regular girl who studied something that she cared about in college, but also went wild as well. And like, (laughs) I just want that honesty to be reflected in my podcast so that when people listen to my podcast and get to know me and learn more about the women, like they know that this is not a super serious history podcast. This is just a girl who cares a lot about spreading women's stories and I'm going to do it the way that I do it. And people are either going to hate it or they're going to love it. But the people that love it are probably a lot similar to the type of girl that I am and they love it. So so yeah, I think that's important to note as well. I love it. And I think it's so important that you're doing this because like you said, every single woman and person has a story. I've been such a firm believer in that since I was younger. I I always had something like I had a rougher childhood. So I had this appreciation for other people that I could connect with over their story. And instead of Mm -hmm. like judging a book by its cover, like that was always my mission was to learn about somebody and really dig in deep and get to know why they are the way they are. And 
I feel like that's also lost so much is like, especially now with Instagram and social media, like we so quickly jump to what we know that we know but not Mm -hmm. what we don't know. And we don't do the work to like really dig in and learn and relate to each other. I love that you kind of minimize the celebrity, but then you talk about these other women in history who stories got swept under the rug because Mm -hmm. every single one of us has been through something. And even the caliber doesn't matter because it all affected us in some way or another. Totally. Yeah. And like, also I gave you like the backstory on like how this podcast was created, but there's like a whole different element of like why it was created and when, and that really kind of goes much deeper into like my life and some of the things I've gone through. And like, in particular, I had like experienced like quite a bit of hardship in the year 2017, which was the year before I launched my podcast. And it took me to really, really dark places. And I learned a lot about myself during that year. One of the things that I learned was that I did not have any natural born coping mechanisms. Mm -hmm. And so I actually just recently read something online that trauma is anything in which the brain can't figure out how to cope with whatever's happening. And That was basically something I experienced for an entire year straight, endlessly. And by the end of that year, I was really kind of like enlightened because I I had this whole year to look back on and be like, whoa, that was not good. Things did not go well. I did not handle these things well. I got to a really dark place in my life. And like, I really felt down about myself for it. I felt a lot of guilt, shame, sadness, depression. And I knew that I needed a major like confidence boost, a major self-love boost. I just needed a total rewind and a rewrite. And I was like thinking like, what do I want to do to elevate myself into a better place? And that was starting this podcast and specifically researching the lives of women throughout history as a way to feel empowered about my own story, because everyone's story is has areas of darkness and areas of pain and hurt. But All of these things usually had to occur for them in order to get to that next more positive level of their lives. And so I really needed to be reminded of that or to have that in my face 24 seven so that I could kind of get rid of like the guilt and shame that I was feeling about my own life. And so honestly, like within a month, I feel like I got a complete detoxing and instantly felt a million times better. And it was really because of the women whose stories that I was learning about and telling. Wow. That's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And I so agree. I think I, very similar to you, I experienced a lot of hardship, I think again in college and I never gave myself the time to heal for it. And then when I started She Factor, I realized all of the healing that I had to do from that and all of the trauma that I had had when I was younger that was now showing up again in my life that I never healed. And mm-hmm. I think inherently I had just kind of swept it under the rug and said, okay, I'm healed. I'm good. I'm, I'm fine to move on. And so often it goes so much deeper than that. And then it comes up in a different way some sometime again in your life. And I think we see that happen in so many women's stories that I've listened to on your podcast or so many women that I know personally. I think it's like this sense that we don't inherently have a loud voice in society. So to amplify that story and to amplify that experience so that other women can see the hardship rather than just like the pretty fun, successful parts of people's stories, like we never focus on what they've gone through to get there. And then hearing that, hearing another woman having gone through that, like you see 
even the like me too, I've been through that also like in a conversation mm-hmm. really is so deeply empowering because it's using your voice. It's giving a voice. Totally. And I think also just naturally as human beings, we can feel very alone in our experiences, especially when we experience things that the people around us haven't. Yeah. And like, I remember one thing that I was feeling during 2017 was that like I had gone through such hardship and the people in my life were very well aware of it, but it got to the point where it's like, I didn't want to burden people with what was happening to me. And people in return were sort of like tiptoeing on eggshells around me because they knew I was just kind of this like crumbling woman who was suffering, but there's not much you can do for people other than say like, I'm sorry, or I'm here for you reach out if you need me. So it's just like a strange, like dynamic that's hard to navigate, especially when it goes on for so long. So you can feel like very alone in these types of experiences, but being able to then not feel alone by looking at other women's lives, especially the women that came before us who in full honesty have gone through much worse than any of us have today. They had far less accessibility to things. They didn't have nearly as many rights as you and I have right now. So like just given being able to look at like how society was from like generation to generation and the things that women have had to face during their time periods. We're all going through hardships at different times and we're struggling with different things, but a lot of the same things. And it just is very humbling to be able to look at that and find comfort in it and realize like in the grand scheme of things that we are so not alone. We are like, we have each other to use as support, even if it's just looking at each other's life stories. Yes. I love that so much. So true. (laughs) So I asked Melissa to come on the podcast today and bring a couple stories that she's told on her podcast onto ours and talk about some of her favorite women that she's featured and learned about so that we could learn a little bit of women's history and then talk a little bit about what that means to us and how that's how that can help us grow and become the best women we are. So I'd love for you to share who you brought to talk about and I guess before we start that too, just talk really quickly about what sort of lessons that you've learned from these women and what's some of your like top takeaways from from learning about people's strife and struggles and life journeys. Well, I think one major thing is that women regardless of like what time period they were born are so incredibly resilient. I mean, it's insane the things that women have gone through that men have never gone through and yet they still have always held their heads so high up. They have still always fought for themselves and their other sister friends and they get out alive and they're stronger for it. And I see that in like every story that I read in one way or another. And it's very empowering just for me today in this world to look back on it and just feel like if they could do it, I absolutely can. And also I just think it's very clear that women have always had challenges just from the minute that they exit the womb. (laughs) And they're challenges that are just kind of ingrained in our 
our system of life. And, but the good thing is, is that as you go back and you read about different women's stories throughout history, you start to see some of those things unravel and go away. And then the next generation of women doesn't have to deal with them anymore, but they still have to deal with these other ones. And then you get to the next story and it's like, okay, now some of those have sort of faded away. And so I think it's just really interesting to watch like some of the things historically that have like either not been available to women or women have been discriminated against for them. You still watch so many women go through it, but then you kind of see like this light at the end of the tunnel that as life progresses and as society unfolds and becomes less traditional, the struggle lessens and lessens for women, which I think is very inspiring and something to think about today when we kind of look at our own struggles, which with that being said, as life goes on, new things come in, you know, like Mm -hmm. today we have social media, which can be a huge darkness in women's life, but that never occurred millions of years ago. So it's kind of just interesting to see like how life unfolds and the things that women have to face and how they change over time and how new things come in and certain things go away. But at the end of the day, we're all always kind of in this obstacle as one facing some of the craziest things in life. And yet there's never a point where like we don't get through it. Yeah. And I see that in women's stories all the time when I when I read about them. So I don't know. I think those are just some of kind of the learnings that I've collected over the past couple of years and the things that I try and think about today in my own life when I'm kind of going through times of darkness within myself. Amazing. Thank you for sharing those. I so agree with you. So who are we talking about today? Who we got? Who'd you bring with you? So the first person I wanted to talk about, I think, is so perfect for She Factor. She is a natural born entrepreneur and somebody that we all know or have heard Ooh. of or know what she's founded and created. But I don't think like anybody has any idea about her life prior to her founding this huge organization. And so that's the kind of juicy stuff I want to share with you and your listeners today because yes. I think it very heavily ties with She Factor and would be a really cool learning lesson for, for everybody that didn't know the, the story behind the Girl Scouts. Yes. Oh, I love this. I Yeah. Actually, when I was researching women for your podcast, that was a story that kept coming up and I was curious about it. So I'm glad that you did bring this story with you. Yes. So the founder of the Girl Scouts of USA is named Juliet Gordon Lowe. And she is such an incredible woman. Like every single year that the Girl Scout Founders Day comes around, it's on Halloween, I believe, because that was her birthday. I just gush over her because I just absolutely like love this woman. I want a statue of her in my house. Like it's that serious. <laughs> I love it. But to tell you a little bit about her. So Juliet Gordon-Lowe, she was born in 1860 in Savannah, Georgia, and she spent like so much of her youth doing what you would imagine all the Girl Scouts are still doing today. She was big into poetry. She was big into art. She often was like more interested in doing these extracurricular activities than actually her schoolwork. She, as a child, wrote and performed her own plays. She even started her own newspaper with her cousin. And she started her very first club with her cousins that was called the Helpful Hand Club. And they taught themselves how to sew and make clothing, which they then donated to immigrant children in the area. Wow. Okay. This is so funny too. Just like finding the similarities in She Factor. Also, like you said, one, we always say She Factor 
is first you start with Girl Scouts as a kid and then you go and uh-huh. join a sorority in college. And then after yeah. like she factors the next step. And I basically have started this company and done this all with my cousin. Oh, no way. Yeah. yeah. She's our designer. That's so cool. Yeah. So kind of weird. And my mom, I guess, which like also is kind of related, like family biz. Yeah. But that is so cool. I didn't know that part about the story. So another yes. similarity you didn't probably know. Yeah. So yeah, I didn't know that. That's so awesome. You'll relate to a lot of Juliet's story because she actually started the Girl Scouts also with her cousin. So yeah, she was very involved in doing a lot of creative extracurricular activities and like founding clubs with her cousins, which is just, I mean, I sure as hell, actually, I did kind of do that as a kid. Me and my cousins would like paint rocks and stand in the neighborhood corner and try and sell them, you know, like a quarter or something. I love it. (laughs) And then later in life, she ended up marrying this man who is literally, his name is not worth mentioning because he was a horrible person. Okay, moving past And yeah, pass (laughs) on his name entirely. We don't need to remember that. And he spent like a lot of their marriage away. He was always hunting or gambling and he just like was not cool. And so while he was away, Juliet was doing her own thing. And she was getting heavily involved into painting. She learned woodworking, metalworking. She designed her own iron gates for her own home. She hosted a lot of parties at her house and she devoted a lot of her time to charity, which her husband was against for who knows what reason. That just further proves that he was a terrible person. But she made regular visits to women with leprosy She fed and cared for the poor. She joined a local nursing association and just doing all this good stuff for the community. And around this time, her husband ended up becoming like a full-blown alcoholic. He ended up having an affair with another woman. And he basically like told Julia, if you don't agree to a divorce, I'm going to withhold money from you. And keep in mind, this was a time when divorce wasn't something everybody did. And you actually had to prove like, adultery was at play in order to be able to allow to be able to get a divorce. And Juliet didn't want to get a divorce because she didn't want to publicly have to drag this other woman's name through the mud, which is just like so telling of her nature. Like this is literally a mistress of your husband and you are looking out for her reputation, which is just crazy to me. And so she didn't go through with the divorce and as a result, just didn't get any money from her husband, who was the main sole financial provider. So super annoying. And then a few years later, her husband ended up dying and he left all of his money to his mistress. But the best part is that his own sisters had Juliet's back and were able to like fight against the will. And they were able to get her some money as well as like some of her property returned back to her. That's so awesome. That's girl power. Yes. I know, right? That is women so, supporting women. I love I that. I know, I love it. It's like, oh, that's just so the one of the best parts of this story. So anyway, at this point, Juliet was like now looking for bigger projects to spend her time on. And she ended up crossing paths with the founder of the Boy Scouts, which I, I believe was actually originated in Europe. It was a European thing first. And she met him. He told her a little bit about the Boy Scouts. She got the fire burning in her brain. She flew back to Savannah, Georgia, called her cousin Nina, and she was quoted to say, I've got something for the girls of Savannah and all of America and all of the world. And we're going to start it tonight. 
Wow. <laughs> and that. originally the Girl Scouts was actually called the Girl Guides. That was the original name for it. And so the Girl Guides were born. And within a year, Juliet released the very first Girl Guides manual, which was titled How Girls Can Help Their Country. And this is the craziest part. I don't know if a lot of people know this, but the Girl Scouts helped out a lot in World War One. And they grew and harvested their own food that they then can up and like ship out as goods huh. to the soldiers. And they also worked with the Red Cross in making surgical dressings and knitting clothes for the soldiers. And they also made smokeless candles that the soldiers would use while they were in the trenches to heat their food wow. on the battlefield. And they were smokeless so that the other people wouldn't see smoke rising from the ground and then no people were there. Okay, how what even is, is a smokeless that? candle, one? And two, like, that is incredible that they were, were giving back in that way. I feel like I had heard that they had some sort of involvement, but I didn't know to what extent. Yeah, so insane, incredible. And then in 1923, Juliet developed breast cancer, but she kept it a secret from everybody. She underwent multiple surgeries over the course of two years, and she even snuck away during recovery to make a speech at the Girl Scout Region Conference. So she was dedicated literally until the day that she died. And when she did die, 250 Girl Scouts left school early to attend her funeral. And she was buried with her Girl Scout uniform on with a note in her pocket that stated, you are not only the first Girl Scout, but the best Girl Scout of them all. I just got the chills. (laughs) Right? I literally just got full body chills. Obviously, as we know, She's still remembered nearly 100 years after her death, and the Girl Scouts continues to be one of the greatest female-founded organizations ever. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like people give, especially I feel like related to Boy Scouts, like the Girl Scouts have kind of gotten a lot of flack in the last several years. And so remembering what it was all started on, and like, I know I did Girl Scouts until late middle school. And I feel like now it's like becoming not as popular as it used to be. Yeah. We're like losing that sense of why. And so I'm glad that you brought up that story of this is how it started. And this yeah. is, you know, this is what we can remember about it. Yeah, totally. And also, I don't know if you follow the Girl Scouts on Instagram, but I really love their social media page. <laughs> I don't. Maybe I'll have to. It's pretty like progressive and like really good for this next generation of young girls. It's very inclusive. It has a lot of really good content. So I think like they're making attempt to, I don't know, I guess be more up to date with the times. But yeah, I, you know, I was only a Girl Scout until maybe like, actually, I guess it was pretty long, like fifth grade or something like that. But I just think it's funny because what I remember from the Girl Scouts is always going away to camp, having Mm -hmm. to do little skits on a stage, like doing some kind of like athletic program, which are all things that Juliet Gordon Gordon Lowe just did in her own life. And so even today, I think they're still doing similar stuff like that. So those kind of little things are still heavily tied into the root of who just Juliet was as a person. Like, and given this was the eight, late 1800s, yeah. so to Sounds be like woodworking, to be making iron gates for your house, like these were not things that women were really doing. She also did a lot of horseback riding and like she knew how to shoot guns. So she was a little bit like breaking down those female stereotypes, even in that time period. So I just think it's really cool to see those little elements of what she just naturally loved still alive today in the Girl Scouts. Wow. I love that story. That is so great. And not to mention teaching women entrepreneurship. I mean, 
I just right? got all my Girl Scout cookies in the mail and I've literally already finished all of them. But like my, <laughs> my sister is girl, all, both my sisters are Girl Scouts right now. And my sister hustled this time around to sell some Girl Scout cookies. I remember winning a huge prize. I sold like 400 boxes one of my years of selling Girl Scout cookies. And that, that was like one of my like bright shining moments. I was like, yes, uh-huh. I get, I think I got a boom box. That was my, my gift that I won. <laughs> Oh my God. That's so cool. I love it. But I love yeah, seeing my sister hustle. Of Girl Scout cookies. I know it's bad. <laughs> so bad. Okay. Who is woman number two? Okay. So woman number two is named Viola Desmond and she is pretty much considered the Canadian Rosa Parks. So we all know Rosa Parks story pretty well, at least here in the U.S. And Viola Desmond went through a similar experience, but she's a Canadian woman. And so wanted to tell a little bit about her because I had never heard of her before. I don't know if that's just because she's not a United States person or whatever, but a um, really important story that I think is worth sharing with everybody else. So she, just similar to Rosa Parks, also challenged race, racial segregation. This was in the 19. 19- I think the 1940s, mid 1940s, and she was living in Nova Scotia at the time. So she was born in 1914 and she was one of like 10 kids. She had a huge family and her mom was actually white. Her dad was black, which was extremely unknown for the time period. Mm -hmm. So life was already a little bit rocky for her growing up with her parents having this like interracial marriage. Pretty sure they were married. So when she was growing up, she noticed like a lack of professional hair and skincare products for black women where she was from. And she really wanted to make a change. And she was not allowed to train to become a beautician in her area. It was like not a thing. So she had to travel super far away from her hometown to Montreal. And she also traveled to New York and attended a beauty school owned by Madam C.J. Walker. Uh, not sure if you're Walker. familiar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anybody else who maybe not be familiar, she's like the first multimillionaire black business owner woman that has ever existed. Just like, a great um, go Netflix watch the Netflix series. series. Yeah. yeah. What is it called? Self-made. I think it's called self-made. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that Netflix series. It was so good. They did such a beautiful job at telling her story. I feel like. Yes, totally. And I think it's also really cool that Madam CJ Walker was already running her own beauty school business that then Viola Desmond yeah, was able cool. to go attend. So Otherwise, cool there wouldn't have been any opportunity. So that's really cool that their stories and experiences intertwine. Seeing cross, yeah. So yeah, so she went and she did her training and then she came back to her hometown in Halifax and she opened her own beauty school so that the other women in the area didn't have to travel all the way to like New York to be able to get training to become a beautician. And the cool thing about her school was that she ran her business in uh, what was called a vertical integration framework. So the students that attended her beauty school were provided all of the skills that they needed to start their own businesses, but they were also expected to then provide jobs to other Black women within their communities. So So it was just like this endless cycle of like helping each other out basically and having each other's backs, which I absolutely love, of course. The old school version of network marketing. Right? (laughs) Yeah. MLMs. (laughs) (laughs) So true, actually. You're right. And then the cool thing was that every year, a total of 15 women graduated from Viola's school and Otherwise, they would have been denied admission to the white only school. So she was doing great things for her community. And then things really like 
hit the fan in on November 8th, 1946. So she was on a business trip in an area of Canada called New Glasgow and her car broke down. And so it was going to take a super long time to get the car fixed. And so while she was waiting, she's like, I'm going to go watch a movie at this theater down the street. So she went to the movie theater, she bought a ticket and the person in like the window automatically gave her a certain area that she had to like sit in this movie theater and it was super far up like it was like more like stadium seating you know there was like a balconied area super high up towards the ceiling that's where she had to sit and she had really bad eyesight so when she got to her seat she's like I can't even see anything on this movie screen. I'm going to go downstairs and get closer to the screen so that I can see. And when she relocated to a new seat, obviously somebody came and was like, hey, you got to get out of here. You're not allowed to sit in this section. And at first she thought it was because she hadn't like paid for that ticket, which she was like willing to pay for, but then quickly realized it had nothing to do with the ticket price. It was that they did not, it was an area that was not available to black people in general. So she quickly like realized what was happening and was extremely surprised about it. But she also wasn't aware of any like segregation rules within this like specific town. It wasn't where she was from, where she lived. She was on a trip. So she wasn't aware that one, there were segregation laws or what those laws even were. So she wasn't like trying to break laws. She was, you know, she didn't know what was happening. So they forcibly removed her from the theater. They injured her while doing that. And then they arrested her in jail for 12 hours and they convicted her of depriving the government of one single cent. So basically the tax on her balcony seat was two cents and the tax on the main floor seat where she moved to was three cents. So she stole one cent from the government and was thrown in jail for it. Wow. And... It was dumb, obviously. Like, you've got to be kidding me. Seriously, like, this is a complete joke. This woman's like just the, here trying to watch a movie. Like, for real? <laughs> yeah, but that's like the systematic shit that happens. Yeah, like, totally. To, to do racist stuff without it saying it's racist. Yeah, 100%. And so when she finally got out of jail, she, like, told her husband what happened. She also had really close ties with, I think it was, like, the Baptist church. So, like, she was really close with the pastor and his wife. And they were like, listen, you need to challenge this. What happened isn't right. So she got a lawyer who did, like, a pro bono case for her. She went to court for it. Unfortunately, the lawyer, I, I don't know if this just, like, went over his head or what, but he didn't really fight the right fight in court. So he was basically trying to fight that she wasn't breaking like tax evasion laws, what he should have been fighting like, hey, this is a racial issue here. So he wasn't really like his argument wasn't towards the racial conversation. It was about the tax conversation. So anyway, they basically were like, get the hell out of here. We don't really care what you have to say. It's done and over with. So she lost like her her court case and it gets sad for a minute. So basically that was just that she ended up closing her business. She moved to New York. She later died at the age of 50 years old. That's quickly. Nothing happened for years until 2010 when the lieutenant governor of Nova Scotia, who was also a black woman, her name was Mayan Francisco, I believe. She... I don't know why she did this, what led her to do this, but she re-brought up the case and she 
invoked the royal prerogative, which granted Viola a free pardon. And this was the first to be granted in Canada ever. And the free pardon recognizes that the conviction was done in error and that Viola was actually innocent. And Mayanne Francis, that was her name, Mayanne Francis, she was quoted to say, here I am 64 years later, a Black woman giving freedom to another Black woman. 64 years later. I I wish her story would have ended on a better note, but that's so amazing that she's been remembered and pardoned so, so long after. The government of Nova Scotia did a public apology to Viola. They cleared her name. There was like a public acknowledgement of the injustice that was done to her. And Nova Scotia reaffirmed its commitment to human rights. And then in 2018, a $10 bill entered the circulation with Viola Desmond's face featured on the bill, which made her the first Canadian woman to ever be celebrated on the face of her own country's currency. The only other woman that's featured on Canadian currency is Queen Elizabeth. Holy cow. That is so cool. That is not where I saw things going with this story. Right? That is freaking awesome. I know. So it's, I mean, it's of course like a major bummer that Viola wasn't alive to see all of this happen for her, but it did happen for her. And she's up there somewhere. Yeah. And also it just shows everybody else that like, at least Canada owned up to what they did and they did what they could to re erase it. Not It can never be erased, but to like honor her, make up for what they'd done in the best way that they could 60 plus years mm-hmm. later. And I think even just the fact that Viola's name is on this $10 bill is huge. I mean, it's, I mean, we I don't, don't have any women on our currency. No, exactly. You know? And I just think it's something that children see, everybody sees, and they can look at that dollar bill and know that she was an important woman in history and that it's kind of their way of saying like we screwed up but like we're gonna do what we can to amend what we've done and so I just love that she was able to be recognized and pardoned for this crime that was really like against her at the end of the day so and she was like trying to empower other women to start businesses and work too so it's like kind of this this moment where she's on this currency like she's it's kind of like symbolic of that a little bit totally and that's that's the other point that's so frustrating it's like wow she went to the movie theater to watch a movie and like she's now in jail and all this stuff happened but like this woman literally made it her mission to allow women in her town to be able to become beauticians and have the training and provide more jobs for other women just like them. It's just like, and we're, we're throwing her in jail over a cent for a movie ticket. It's just so annoying. You know what I mean? It's frustrating. It is frustrating, but I think that's a story that goes to show, like I was actually thinking about this at the beginning when you were telling it, is how far we've come since then in the fact of like, we as women can own our own businesses. We can start our own businesses. We can even how far we've come in civil rights and social justice. Like, yes, Mm -hmm. this last year has been a wake up call on how much work we still have to do. But at the same time, like the 60s weren't that long ago. And at that point, like black people weren't even able to drink from the same water fountain or sit on the same, you know, sit in the same movie theater section. Yeah. So we've come a long way. Yes, there's still work to do. But I think this story is a beautiful example of like 
just how far we've come. Absolutely. And I feel like, I mean, the civil rights movement is huge and there's so many women that were involved and there are actually several women that I was struggling to decide which one I wanted to talk about because there's another woman who's incredible. Her name is Fannie Lou Hammer. I advise everybody to look up her story because there's a lot of women that were very heavily involved in the civil rights movement that we don't hear about. Yes, I actually talked about this on our episode a couple episodes ago when I I focused on, I did an episode dedicated to Black History Month and I talked Mm -hmm. about, I did some research. It was actually right around the time that I was on your podcast. So I ended up being like, hmm, I'm going to research other women who are involved. And there's so many women who are just not given the honor and like the publicity of all of the hard work that they did in the civil rights movement. 100%. And not only it really sucks and I've like tried to make an effort to talk about their stories on my podcast, but what I also think is very telling is that no woman in the United States has received any kind of recognition like Viola Desmond has. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of why I wanted to cover her because I just think I just very much appreciate what the Canadian government did so much later in life to like recognize their wrongdoings and then pay tribute to what an incredible woman she was and how she really was in a very unjust situation. And Mm so I just kind of like commend them for that. Like moving to Canada. (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) I love it. I love it. That's so awesome. Such a great story. Okay. Woman number three. This is my last woman. And I wanted to talk about her because last time you and I were chatting like the World War II era and just all of that kind of interesting history. And this woman is very closely tied into that history. And so wanted to tell her story because it's an incredible one and also somebody who is very much not well known. And so her name is Gerda Taro and she was a German Jewish photojournalist who covered the front lines of the Spanish Civil War. Hmm. But she was actually born in 1910 and she lived in Germany during the rise of Hitler and the Nazi party. So she didn't live during the worst of it, but she was in her 20s, like when Hitler was sort of appointed into power and it kind of ties together. So when Hitler and the Nazi party were on the rise, like I said, she was about 20 something years old and she was very vocal and actively against fascism. And so much so that she was always protesting and like providing propaganda and had once been arrested for it. So she was not afraid, super fearless, young, but like very strong willed, knew what was right from wrong and wasn't afraid to be out there and spreading the message. Yeah. And so once Hitler was in power and it was like official. She and her family had to leave Germany because they were Jewish and it was not good there. And so she, the whole family sadly split up. I don't really know why they all went to different areas, but Gerda ended up in Paris at 23 and she became a personal assistant to a man named Andre Friedman. And the two of them fell in love and he began to mentor her in photography and journalism. And Andre was also part Jewish. She was also part Hungarian. And so the two of them were like, okay, great. We're going to start this photojournalist business together, but we're two Jewish people and Europe is not 
happy about Jewish people yeah. right now. Like <laughs> yeah, this is not, not a, a great time. time for us to be starting a business and putting our name on our work. So they had to like think strategically and they both decided to go under an alias name. So they chose the name Robert Kappa and all of their publicized photographs were under this name, Robert Kappa. So when it was published in news outlets and in the media, Robert Kappa provided the photo, not Gerda Taro and Andre Friedman, which were names oh, very that were Jewish names. more obvious to be, I guess, Jewish. Mm -hmm. And so that was their plan and it worked out really well. And then the two of them, so actually the Spanish Civil War broke out in 1936 and the two of them went to Barcelona to cover it as a team. They shot tons of photos on the front lines. They published their photos worldwide and they landed this non-existent Robert Kappa, the reputation of being the greatest photographer in the world. Wow. <laughs> okay. I, right? Insane. And so... The shitty thing is that Robert Kappa is a man's name and Andre Friedman is a man. So once all this recognition started coming in, he just like adopted the name as his own. Oh, fuck and that. And basically became Robert Kappa, which obviously Gerda Taro couldn't do. Yeah, <laughs> so that sucks. He basically started reaping the benefits of half of her work or all of her work, really. And so it got old and Gerda was like, screw this. Like, I'm carrying just as much weight as you are. I have incredible talent. I am working my butt off and I'm just nobody. And all of what I've done and worked hard for, you're celebrating the wins and I'm just no one. And so yeah. she basically was like, I'm out of here. And it's funny because he also tried to propose to her. And I was, was going like, to say, did they ever get married or no? No, she left him. She was like, I'm out. Peace. And uh, went on her own little summer excursion and started her own independent solo career as a photojournalist. And she became very well known in the battlefield, as well as heavily associated with the anti-fascist Europeans and intellectuals such as Ernest Hemingway and George Orwell, who were very big on the crusade for the Spanish Republic during this war. And so she was like having all kinds of friends, really well known, and she was out on the battlefield, like legitimately. She became known as the Little Red Fox because she had ginger hair and she was super like had this fearless spirit about her. And she was often seen running across battle lines with her camera. Holy she cow, that's so cool. the aftermath of bombings and she put herself in super serious danger in order to show the world like the truth about the war. She visited hospitals in morgues and she took super intimate shots of injured soldiers that would later inspire this like deep contrast of black and white that other photojournalists then adopted when they were capturing World War II in Vietnam. Wow. And so she really became this icon of like photography during war and her style and aesthetic carried on for years after. Which her. like, can we remember that there was no digital cameras back then? So there was a lot more work that went into photography than there is now. Yeah insane. Wow. And so one day on the va the battlefield, Gerda hopped onto the footboard of a car that was carrying wounded soldiers when a tank crashed into the side of the car and Gerda suffered critical wounds and then she died the next day in 1937. But she became a really well-known anti-fascist figure and many believe that the tank crash was not an accident but an intentional Ooh. move that was coordinated to take her out of the 
mix because she was getting a lot of recognition, a lot of fame, and also revealing a lot of things about the war that people didn't know. So it's really assumed that like this was an actual murder. It wasn't like she was caught in the crossfire of war. Like she was sought out and killed while she was capturing the war. And so very annoying. Robert Kappa went on to be considered the most famous war photographer of the 20th century, even though the majority of his photos were Goethe's. And even like the news outlets after her death published her as Robert Kappa's wife, even though she wasn't. (laughs) That sucks. Yeah. But today her story is emerging again and people are starting to, I don't know how it happened, but she's like back in the mix and people are here to recognize her and bring her story alive. And she's now considered like a pioneering woman of both photography and political activism. And she for the most part, was like a super liberated woman for her time. Mm -hmm. And she put her work before any other traditional female roles, which again, was not typical for the time period. Oh, I know. It makes you think about how many women out there had to do the same thing in regards to like changing a name to make themselves known or like covering themselves as man. Like I know that's a huge thing in literature even. Totally. And so it's like how many women out there really had to silence their voice to get their voice heard. 100%. Yeah. Especially with literature. Cause I remember in college, I took a whole course on like gender identity in art, film and literature. And like so many women that wanted to become writers during, I don't, I can't tell you the exact time period, but they basically just became men. <laughs> they yeah. completely changed their entire identities and lived their lives as men so that they could have these careers. And it's, I mean, that was far before Gerda's time, but still, you know, Gerda had to hide her own identity identity to not be potentially killed due to discrimination. Mm -hmm. It's just insane. And then, of course, being a woman, her male counterpart got to reap all of the benefits of her work. So it sucks. But I think like the good thing is that, for instance, my podcast is a place where I can like bring the story back alive and tell her truth and tell her name and her story and other women can hear it and celebrate it and it won't be hidden anymore because we're talking about it. So amen. Yeah. She's one of my favorite women that I've ever covered without a doubt. I've got to go do some more research on her. That's so cute. The, what is it? The fiery, fiery fox. Yes. uh, The little red fox. The little red fox. I just like Imagine her running across the battlefield. Like, what a badass. I love it. Right? And just the bravery. Mm -hmm. Like, what? Yeah. That is some serious courage that I don't think I have within me. But more power to her. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. Crazy. I love all these stories. Those are perfect. Thank you so much for bringing those. Do you feel like you like like these women that you study? Like, do you feel like they become like, you're like, these are my girls. Like. A hundred percent. Oh, yeah. And like, yeah, because, you know. I do research in a lot of various outlets. I'll sometimes look at YouTube interview clips or I'll watch a documentary or I'll read just Wikipedia or random like history articles. And so like by the time I'm done compiling all of my research, I know this person so well. And then I just can't wait to tell their story. I'm like so amped. Let's do it. Oh my God. I can't wait to tell her story. I'm so excited about her. And then, yeah, I feel like I keep a piece of that with me. So that's been really part of the healing process of just like, I feel so connected to this person now and I carry a part of you with me forever. And I feel less alone and comforted because of it. It's like, I just imagine... This is going to sound so crazy. Like you with all these little like angels behind you, like all these women just like protecting you, lifting you up. (laughs) 
I love it. Maybe that's my new podcast cover art. <laughs> I love it. That sounds great. <laughs> you need to like have a designer, like actually make all the women look exactly right? like what they do. Oh, yeah. So fun. So how do you feel like your identity as a woman has changed since starting the podcast and really learning about all these women in history and women today in your everyday woman series? Yeah, I feel, I definitely feel different about myself and how I relate to other women and even interact with other women. I think that like in terms of myself, I have really gotten to this place where I've forgiven myself for any of the guilt or shame I've ever felt about my own experiences or my own behavior or like the ways in which I handled certain things I'd gone through in my life, whether I felt like I did it the right way or didn't. I've kind of just gotten this place where I've been able to like release and feel good about it almost, which is crazy because they're particularly things that I never felt good about for years of my life. But now I just kind of have accepted that life is a journey and like we could try to do everything the right way at every point in in our existence but that's just so unrealistic and I think too like emotions really come into play where like emotions are things that can't always be controlled and a lot of the times they just release and the way you release it can either be good or bad there is I don't really think there's like a good or bad unless we're like harming the world in some kind of way but like we all just go through things in our own way and whether we feel shame about it or guilt about it we shouldn't because life's a journey and it's an experience and we only get one life and so we should really just live it and learn from it and grow from it and move on to higher roads yeah (laughs) so preach Yeah, that's kind of where I've gotten to in my life is where I'm trying to learn from my past experiences and then use them to then either do things better in the future or take a different path entirely. But also like, I feel like, especially with my like connection to women, I think like I'm somebody that I don't think I've ever really had a lot of deep connections with women. Like I have a sister and a mom and stuff like that. And I've had a lot of friends throughout my life, but I think just ultimately as an individual, I'm a little bit more like emotionally closed off. And so I can have a lot of friends, but I think they're kind of like very surface level type connections where we have a lot of fun. We go out and do things, but like it's hard to get deep within me. And I think now as I've gotten older and I do what I do, I'm opening up more. And so I'm able to kind of like really connect with women a lot more than I have in the past. And I'm trusting people more and being more empathetic and compassionate. Like that is not things that I have ever been. Like, I think I'm kind of like a tougher person where I'm like, whatever, get over it, move on type of energy. And I'm like really kind of growing past that where I'm being more understanding and truly just trying to like give everybody the benefit of the doubt because we all are going through so much stuff. And nine times out of 10, we aren't even revealing to people what we're going through. So I'm just trying to like be compassionate in that way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I felt very similar all throughout my life of like, I just wasn't able to connect on a deeper level with a lot of women and especially like girlfriends and groups of friends. Like, I feel like I was always like trying to change myself to be a part of a social circle or like to have a friend, which sounds really bad, but like, I just always craved those deeper connections. And I think that I was emotionally in a different place than a lot of girls were at that age, like being raised by a single mom and like having been through what i was going through at that time. And now looking back, like I'm glad that I went through that experience because now I am able to connect 
on such a deeper level because of that time. But also I think the same as you like learning and meeting so many incredible empowering women through this journey of she factor. Like I think that's kind of awakened this woman within me where I'm able to open up a different part of myself to people and like connect deeper to my femininity and who I am as a woman. Well, totally. And I think also just having a podcast where you literally have to talk to other people, specifically ours, other women. Before I had this podcast, I talked to what the same five girls ever all the time. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm meeting people all over the United States, internationally, hearing their stories, where they came from, what struggles they've gone through. And like, just even having access to that is huge. It's been huge for me of just feeling like, wow, you know, I've lived my life so closed in this little bubble and now I've broken through that and I can see so much more and I can understand so much more and even just feel more. And that's been super healing. And one of the things I've loved most about having a podcast is just how much I've grown in my own existence, just connecting with other people. Yeah. I was literally just talking about this yesterday, about this fact that like sometimes we're so busy growing that we like can forget get to be in the moment. And I think something I'm so thankful for, for the podcast is it forces me into that moment to be present with that person and connect on a deeper level. And like looking at She Factor over the past two years of its growth, like I was telling you before we jumped on, like we're kind of at this point where we're like, okay, where are we going? Like what's the next step and how can we best serve our community? And I realized in recent months, like how much we've grown out of what we were doing. Like not only are we growing as a company, but we're growing because the women of our community are growing and like we're all growing together. And so like, of course, something that was an amazing resource for them a couple months ago is not going to be the same resource for them now because we forced that on them. Like we're growing with them. Like we're like, here, yeah. grow. And then it's like, okay, you've grown. Now we have to give you something else to do. And it's kind of this beauty of like transforming together. And I think podcasting allows you to like bring the growth together like into the present. You have to share what's on your mind in the moment. Like, yes, you can edit it, but like you have to be really vulnerable and you have to share your trials and your tribulations and it kind of forces you into that moment. Yeah, it's your own little personal therapy session. Mm -hmm. As I was (laughs) telling you, it's my magic mic. (laughs) Yeah, totally. (laughs) Like words just start flowing when I come in front of this mic. I don't know why. And I've started doing these like mini intros every week and it's been really therapeutic for me. Like I know totally. I'm talking to no one, but I'm talking to everyone at the same time. I just recently started doing the same thing and I'm really liking it. I'm like, oh, this is just my little three minutes where I can talk to my audience, but I'm just alone here in this room and I'm just going to gush on how excited I am about this episode or the woman I'm talking to and just be me in that moment. Yeah. I love it. Yours are three minutes. Mine are 20. <laughs> Uh, That just goes to show how much crap I need to get out of my brain these days. But no, it's beautiful. And for you, just in celebrating Women's History Month and like doing everything that you're doing, you know, you have a lot going on in your life also right now. Like you just started a new job. So like there's so many things happening for you this month specifically. Like, have you done any reflection on like what being a woman means to you or like how you want to make an impact or how you want your voice to impact others moving forward? Yeah, I was thinking about this a couple of weeks ago and I was realizing that like my podcast is technically like a women's history podcast, but I see it as so much more than that. And I feel like there's this huge mental health element that exists in my podcast that isn't really like evident unless I guess 
unless you feel it while you're, you're, you know, absorbing the content. But for me, it is like, this is like a huge mental health thing for me specifically. Like I do this podcast because I need it for myself. I of course enjoy making content that I can share with the world, but really like, this is something that I, I do for me because I need it for my own weekly healing. And what I realized in that is that especially in terms of like the future of my podcast or what I want to do that goes beyond the podcast is like, I would love for this to really turn into more of a community where like other women, of course, can come to the podcast to just learn about stories of women throughout history, but also to like use this information to help them heal in areas that they need to heal. So I I would love to like the future of Mimosa Sisterhood to include virtual events. Like one thing, for instance, I was thinking would be really cool is having like each event be a certain topic that somebody could either relate to or not relate to. So like, for instance, like this month, we're going to talk about grief and have that be a space for women who are struggling with grief or have gone through grief or just want to learn more about managing grief could attend. And we could either talk about a specific woman in history who has a story that relates to this and then have, you know, other women on who are either experts in the field or have a podcast about this certain subject matter and really like make this like a safe space where women can try to heal an area in their life that they're struggling with, but with the audience that they can connect to and feel safe with and relate to and we can kind of share our own experiences with one another and our own stories and grow from each other and learn from each other. And so I think that's something that like didn't really click to me until this year specifically was like, yeah, sure. I mean, I'm a women's history podcast, but I feel like this goes so much more than so much deeper than just history. This is about healing and about learning and growing. And that's kind of something I really want to expand on this year. And something I think I'm learning about myself is that I can be more than just a podcast host that tells women's stories. I can also help a lot of people with the stories that I'm telling. And I want to like kind of focus on that help part a little bit more this year and a little less on like the history part. Totally. I love that. (laughs) And I think even just even reflecting on the episodes I've listened to and the one that we recorded and like this episode alone, there's a huge mental health factor in so many women and stories that is ignored and silenced yeah. and how how can we talk like even with everything that came out with Meghan Markle this week like yeah. with the interview like how she wasn't able to get help when she was in her darkest place have you watched the interview yet I've not watched the whole interview I've been wanting to I've been so swamped but I have seen some highlights you know obviously in the news and I've been like trying to not read them because I want to watch the whole interview so you'll I, have to I go do watch know it. what you're referring to yeah like, I, I, I saw it it just goes to show women of the past, women in history, women currently, a lot of women and women since the very beginning of the days of us being in existence have dealt with mental health issues. And like they, we were talking about during our episode, like even the Queen's Gambit, like we were like, oh, what is she taking? What pill is she taking? Like, what is she, what are they giving her to cover up the pain and the mental health and like the struggles that she was going through? It's so I love that piece of it because I think so often we don't consider it mental health, like until it's past the point of no return. Oh, totally. Yeah. And I think that's what I try to reveal in stories a lot is that like people aren't just like struggling, like they're going through really hard things that not only are like physically difficult to go through, but mentally as well. And it's just another reminder that the person that's listening that is also going through something really difficult mentally can hear how this other woman, I mean, even just 
Gerda, Viola, like how Juliet. It's like all of those women went through some very challenging times and they're still such important. Their stories are so important Mm -hmm. and it's, it's just, it can still be celebrated. We don't look down on them for the hard things they went through. Of course not. So we shouldn't look down on ourselves either. And it also like you're, you're able to celebrate your listener stories. I feel like celebrating these other women inherently gives women opportunity to celebrate themselves and celebrate what Mm -hmm. they've been through and getting through that. So that's such an important piece of your podcast and like where this is going that you're doing. So I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm excited about it. And that's kind of what the Everyday Woman series does is it's like, okay, now you can come on and talk Mm -hmm. about your life experiences because somebody else might better relate to you in the now than they might relate to somebody in like 1832 or whatever. You know what I mean? I love it. I love it. (laughs) So last two questions for you. First one is what does being a woman mean to you? What does being a woman mean? I think it means, I think like getting super like biological with it. I mean, just think about the female body, like everything it can do. We're like miracle workers. I just actually witnessed my first birth. My sister oh, yeah, had a baby sister. a couple months ago and I literally was in the, the room and witnessed the baby come out of the body. And I will tell you that was one of the most insane experiences. I don't know that I will ever experience it anything that insane again, unless I give a birth to a baby. It was like an out of body experience. It was alien-esque. It was animal-esque. It wasn't real, but it was. And like, it just further showed just like how magical women are that we were created to literally give birth to Mm -hmm. other life. And that's obviously not something men can do. And I feel (laughs) like it (laughs) it makes us so much more special and powerful and just unique. And I think like just even recognizing that it's Mm -hmm. so biological and like the creation of human, but really like, I think like thinking of us in that way and looking at yourself as somebody who can actually make miracles happen and carrying that with you in other areas of your life, whether it's, I want to pursue my dream or I want to become an athlete or I want to be married and have children, like whatever it is, just remembering that like we were brought on earth to be miracle workers and that can carry on in any avenue that you want it to carry into. Mm -hmm. And I think that's going back to like one of the questions you asked earlier, like things I've learned about women that I've researched just about women in general is resilience. Like I think women are just naturally created to be so strong and resilient that like, even when we go through hardship, we are always going to be this like superior woman that can handle anything and can go through anything and is prepared to tackle anything because that's how we were created to be. And I guess that's kind of how I see myself as a woman, I think. And I didn't feel that way about myself for the majority of my life. This is very new for me. I think like I really had to grow into this empowerment and grow into this like female strength, which the podcast has really helped me, you know, get to that place in my life. But I think as a woman, like I really feel special and I feel like I can conquer more than maybe society builds me up to believe Mm -hmm. I can conquer and just to always remember that about myself and have that be the the force that pushes me on in in life oh but yes yes all of that (laughs) I and it resonates so much with me and even last week I recorded two episodes that just went live this this past week and one was about hormone health and periods and like normalizing that and what happens in the female body every month and how to like 
embrace that to step into your powers as a woman and mm-hmm. like really optimize your cycle to be like your best, most productive self and how we're like women living in a men's world and like the nine to five grind is not good for our bodies. And then the other episode was about sexuality and pleasure and desire. And we were talking so much about how beautiful it is that the woman, that woman's bodies do what they can. Like even like the clit with like how many nerve endings it has. Like literally it's there for pleasure and that's it. And she's very religious. So she was talking about how like God literally made us that way. And like he made us have pleasure. And like he also made us to give birth and like how freaking awesome is that like he sees us in such a beautiful light so why don't we see mm-hmm. ourselves in that light yeah, and totally. as you said like that's just because society makes it and makes us feel like shame and and guilt for those things when mm-hmm. they're the things that make us the most beautiful human beings ever yep absolutely even like the special powers that come with being a mom like i think about that a lot the intuition like women literally oh, yeah. do have a sixth sense given even if they don't have kids like i feel like we all inherently have this like maternal instinct in us that that allows us to be more compassionate and like empathetic human beings totally very instinctual very like fluid too i feel like women are so much more flexible yes. like we go with the punches you know we can adapt with change like and you know it's not always going to be easy but i feel like you know men are just very concrete they're very just in their way yeah. and not all men i don't want to like generalize on but the they just like gender it's like the nine to five like it's like you wake up the next day and you go and you do and like and like yeah. yes they go through stuff too but i feel like when women go through things it's like a transformation it's like a butterfly yeah. and like men it, it's it seems a little bit more like cut and dry totally sense <laughs> i don't know black how and white women black and are white. rainbows yes <laughs> oh i love that yeah okay last question what advice would you give your 20 year old self I'm starting to ask um, this to like all of my guests because obviously yeah. our, our podcast is about being in your 20s and I'm sure you've learned so much since being 20 in this oh, yeah. journey. So would love to know. Yeah, my 20s were a lit- like my life is a roller coaster from 18 to 28. <laughs> 10 years. <laughs> and I learned endless challenges between that time period. And I think like one piece of advice I'd probably give my 20 year old self would be to like stop investing so much energy into the people around me and put that energy into myself. Mm. Cause I think I prioritized a lot of things during that time in my life that really held no weight, made zero impact and were not to my benefit. I think I was very distracted by romantic relationships or friendships with the wrong people or not pursuing particular college courses because I was worried what people would think about me. Like I just wasn't like really like caring about myself during Mm -hmm. that time period. I wasn't putting myself first at all. And I think that that's would be the thing I would tell myself is you're young and like life's an experience, but at the end of the day, like you are the person that needs to have your own back and you need to make sure that you are good before everybody else is good around you. Yeah. Because I abandoned myself for years. And then once I hit like 27, I was like, oh my God, I am an empty soul. And I am terrified of like carrying this bad energy into my 30s and like projecting onto my children one day. Like I need to like get it together quick. (laughs) Well, I think there like comes a moment where you realize, I think also as women, we, we definitely like care about what other people think a little bit more. And 
like there comes this moment where you're like, oh gosh, like all of the things that I did and like this trauma that I hold with me, like if I ever decide to have kids, like I'm going to give that to them and they're going to experience that through me. Like it's like this awakening moment. And like, I feel like I had that earlier on because my mom had kids when I was 16 and 18. So like I consider them almost like my, my children sometimes, like I helped raise them and I'm like, oh my God, I can't screw them up. Like I have to be a good sister. Like I have to like get my shit together so that they look at me and they like are inspired and not traumatized. I know. But again, that goes back to like, what does it mean to be a woman? Like the fact that we can even conceptualize things like that, that we have this like warm ability to say, hey, I need to heal me so I don't hurt them. Mm. Like it's just is so telling of like the nature of women and how we live and how we treat other people. And just again, instinctually that we can even get to a place where we recognize, I don't want to bring kids into the world until I like heal this a little bit, you know, I just think again, that's another just proof of just the magic that we have and the sparkle in us that is so precious and unique and just unique to women. Yes. Amen. I love it so much. So where can people find you listen to your podcast? Yeah. So Mimosa Sisterhood is live on literally every podcast platform out there. And Instagram is also at Mimosa Sisterhood. Twitter is Mimosa Hood but I rarely use it. I can't Twitter. I can't Twitter either. I'm no. not a Twitter person. There's a She Factor account. It never gets touched. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Twitter is not my game. Yeah. And then also I have a really cool website, www.mimosasisterhood.com and a lot of fun stuff on there. In particular, I have short bios about uh, all the women I've covered on the podcast that myself and my old co-host have handwritten on our own. They're quirky. They're funny. They're ridiculous, but it's just a cool way to kind of browse through the list of all the women we've had on the show and read fun little bios about them. And yeah, that's pretty much it. I also have a really cool newsletter, which you can access through the link on my Instagram page. It's kind of like a women's magazine. I love it. I write lots of really fun articles about women's health, news, history, all of it. And that's pretty much the jam. Well, I just want to thank you for coming on today, but also I want everyone to know just like how intentional and hardworking you are with your podcast, like the research that you do on these women, obviously you can sense that from the three women you brought today, but even like with you writing the bios, like there's just so much intentionality that goes into sharing the stories of these amazing women. So thank you for doing that and for being their voice because they obviously sometimes didn't have that. So I just commend you for all of the hard work that you're doing. And I know you're doing it all on top of doing a full-time job. So you're a rock star. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Tori. It means the world to me, but I would, I wouldn't want to be doing anything else. So I just feel grateful that I live in 2020, 2021, and I'm allowed to do these things. You know, the fact that I can even talk in a microphone and have my own show and spread stories of women, that's a luxury. Mm -hmm. And again, those are the humbling moments where I can feel that about myself. I'm very lucky to have this opportunity and to be creating content for other women in the world. So I'm happy about that. And also very happy to have met you and to be on your show and to have a new podcast friend. It's the best. Right back at you, babe. I'm so grateful for you and for our friendship and being able to support each other. Women empowering women. Yes. I'm all about it. I'm here for it. Amazing. Hey girl, thank you so much for listening to She Factor podcast. Everything we do here at She Factor is for you to unite, excite, and cheer each other on as we create a life we love together. We'd love for you to rate, review, and share the podcast if this helped you in any way on your journey to She. 
And you can DM or email us a screenshot of your review for a special treat from Team She. Looking for more than your weekly dose of She Factor? Find us on social media at The She Factor or head to our website, thesheefactor.com to keep up with all the latest trends on our blog, subscribe to our daily She newsletter, RSVP to our next virtual event, and join our She membership for an all-access pass to your virtual girl gang. Follow me at Torreganall for a behind-the-scenes look at all things She and slide into my DMs to share how I can support you on your journey. See you next week.